0: right how's everyone doing this morning all right all right and we're good back there all right well welcome to Sunday morning elective Um, going through the journey 180 welcome all those who are listening online or via podcast and all those in the slightly warmer tent we have light in here now they blew Air or hot air and they opened both flaps and they blew hot air in for like two straight hours today so this is as hot as it's getting so I I guess we just need to count on Arizona to become Arizona in the next couple weeks and we'll be back to normal um, yeah the one thing though we came in here I don't know if you could still smell it from them blowing all that heat in with the propane it, it was pretty potent yeah <laughs> it smelled like a pink floyd laser light show in here and so all right so back on the table as you came in we've got the notes for today um the journey 180 morning or sunday morning elective two um we also put out the mind notes from last tuesday so i'll always have the previous week's mind notes out there as well so if you want those um obviously we have journey 180 um guides how many are how many got one of these Good. so you'll want to follow along with that and then some other I don't know, there's the timeline I believe is over there as well so today I'm heading to India as soon as this class is over we're hopping in the car and heading over to the airport that's why I don't look overly pastoral today I'm in my travel compression socks and all, all that kind of fun stuff so but that's okay it's not like I look overly great anyway I'm gonna break this stool this is used to Tim Beale, not me. All right. All right, so let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer for a couple words, and then we'll get going. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the safe return of Lynn and um, his team of pastors over there and what they were able to accomplish, and we just pray for this India team that's heading out um, at 1 o'clock today. Heavenly Father, we just pray that um, you guide us to the places where you want us to serve Um Continue to give Suresh wisdom as he plans this trip over there. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this um, study um, through the Bible. I just pray that as we go through the Bible, we see um, the ultimate meaning, and that's the revealing of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we talk about today's topic, um, which is so foundationally important to us, Um, give us the wisdom to see things as you see them and take away all distractions. Um, We give this uh, to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so grab those um, flyers. Alright, and you know what? I actually have to grab my Bible as well. Nope. Alright, so turn to Genesis chapter three. Alright, so we are moving fast through the Bible. <laughs> Genesis chapter three. And on your on the back of the journey one eighty, you'll notice that today's um, Checkbox is Adam and Eve. So we're going to talk about this whole idea of Adam and Eve um, and everything that comes along with it sin, um, destruction, death, pain, all that kind of fun, fun stuff. So um, real quick, as we were heading um we were at the mine last Tuesday, we talked about um, the beginning of time. And of course, last Sunday we talked about in the beginning God created. And so we sort of understood what it meant to have a beginning. And that's really important to understand because um, we found out about hundred years ago, say 80 to 100 years ago, that the universe had a beginning, or at least it was validated by science. The Bible told us that 3,500 years ago, um, but that the universe and all matter material had a beginning, which makes sense because um, to think that the universe and all matter material was eternal sort of broke a whole bunch of laws in science. Um, Anything that's matter or material has to have a start. There has to be something eternal that's at the very beginning. If not, you have this infinite regress, which is illogical. You can't have that. There has to be a beginning at some point. And so the Bible clearly says, well, that beginning is God. Okay? Which answers a couple other things. Um, He is the cause to the effect of the universe. So he is the cause to the effect of the universe. One of the great questions that comes out of that is, well, if... God answers the cause and effect thing as far as matter and um, time and the universe and energy and all that kind of stuff. Well, what's the cause of God? If If every effect has to have a cause, well, what's God's cause? And the simple answer to that is God doesn't have a cause because unlike the universe, unlike matter and energy and time, he is eternal. God is transcendent. He is outside of time and space. So it is... Fully logical to believe that God is eternal. In fact, the very definition of a God would be eternal. Okay, because if a God could be created, he couldn't be all powerful. Because whatever created him's just that much more powerful. If you know what I mean? So, in the beginning, God created uh, matches up logically with what we see in the universe. Now, of course, we we posit as Christians that it's our God. Okay, Islam would say, well, we agree with you, except for it's not. Um, the Hebrew God or the Christian God, it's it's a lot. And so um, we, we we can go back and forth on that. But the the basic understanding is in the beginning was God, and then we believe God created. All right, so um, we talked about Tuesday night, um, the six days of creation and how God created each, everything we know in six days. We talked about the actual, um, and there's chairs over here, there's tables over here. We talked about... The idea of, well, did God actually do it in 24-hour days, a literal 24-hour day, or did he do it in ages? Of, and what we said is, you know, if these kind of arguments are something you don't have to get real dogmatic on. There are people out there that believe, and they're Christians, solid Christians, people I listen to all the time on podcasts that believe the universe is 14.3 billion years old, um, which is fine. Um, and then there are others who believe in a younger universe, somewhere around six to 10,000 years old, um, there are those who believe that the Earth is older. That somewhere in the creation story there was some kind of gap, or some kind, something that elongated this whole process. And then there are those that say, no, the Earth is is only six thousand years old. Those arguments are minor arguments. They're fun to do, but they really have no bearing on the topic. Okay, so. We talked about where we lean, or at least where I lean, because there, there are probably people on staff that probably lean different than me. Um, where I lean and Lynn, <laughs> no, where we lean, <laughs> where we lean is actually a, a, six, a six-day creation, twenty, a literal twenty-four-hour day. And the reason why we go there is because the Hebrew word yom means a twenty-four-hour day. Okay, it, almost every time that word is used, it, it's talking about a literal twenty-four-hour day. And the fact that God. At the end of each day, made sure we understood there was evening and morning. The first day, or evening, morning. Second day, which also leads us to believe that these were literal days. So, what did God create on day one? We're just doing a review real quick. Anybody from the minor? Remember, He created light, and of course, on day one, also the earth, would, or the earth that was formless and void, would have been created as well. What did He do? On day two, so the earth was formless and void. It was there was um, just a bunch of water, basically, sort of like one of those Tang globules that float around in the space shuttles. So what did he do on day two? He separated what? Okay, he separated the waters, which this way, up and down, which created sky. Okay, so day two he created sky or firmament. Okay, day three he did more separation of waters. He took the waters that were on the lower end, which we would call seas, and he split them sideways. Okay, which created land. Okay, also on land he created vegetation um, um, after their kind, each a bearing plant after their kind. Um, so those were the first three days. We talked about the first three days were sort of um, backgrounds or backdrops, if you have any drama background. God was setting the stage to fill it with actors. Okay? So day four, now God, now again, he's created light, but there is no what we would call a source yet. God, up until this point, was the source of all light, because the sun. And the stars were not created until day four so on day four what was created was what we would know as outer space the sun stars milky way all that kind of fun stuff day five what was created huh birds fish yep so so that backdrop was filled okay um and then day six the coolest day of them all what was created okay animals and us, yeah. So that was cool. And, and of course, we were all created after our kind. So um, we'll talk a little bit about this more with um, Noah and the whole arc scene. But this doesn't mean that um, a whole bunch of breeds of dogs roam the earth. There was dog. And then after that, we have what's called microevolution as they, they form different breeds and all that kind of stuff. But the head of the kind was created at the beginning. We also saw how, well, we'll get to that today, as Adam named all... animals as well on day seven what did god do he rested okay so at the end of each day everything was what good so if god looked at all his creation and said it was good and at the end very good what had not happened yet sin so sin has not come into the world and it has not happened outside the earth either in other words satan hasn't fallen yet so satan's fall had to have happened after god's statement and everything was very good when were the angels created? We don't know. Okay, We, we um, showed a couple verses that, that, that showed that the angels were there um, as the foundations of the earth were being created. So they were created early on um, in this whole creation process. All right, so let's get to today. Let's talk about Adam and woman, who would later be called Eve. Genesis chapter 3, and actually let's, let's hike back a little bit. Um, Let's go back into Chapter 2, and again, we talked about Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 are both creation stories. Um, They're the same creation story, unlike skeptics who say they're two different stories. They're the same creation story. Um, Chapter 1 is sort of an overview, a floodlight look at creation, and then Chapter 2 is more of a spotlight. It's focusing in on just one of the actors, Okay, and it's talking about man. And so let's go ahead. and We'll just um, put this all in context. Let's go back to chapter two, and we'll look at verse. Um, let's go up to fifteen. Okay. All right. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Um, and the Lord God com- and the Lord God commanded the man, "You are free to eat from any tree in the garden." But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. Okay? So that's an important passage right there, because it's going to get jacked up in the next chapter. Okay, So let's look at that, that really closely again. Verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And here's the command. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. So God's command was not to eat from the tree. And which tree was it? The tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Good and evil. Okay, good. All right, so do not eat from it or you will surely die. This is not talking about a physical death okay death basically means separation so when someone dies the, the actual definition of death is separation so when you die you're separated physically from your body what this passage is talking about is a spiritual death you are separated from god so when he's saying you will surely die he's not talking about physical death per se yes adam and eve once sin came into the world they would now have a death sentence okay and, and that still follows with everybody. We all have a 100% chance. The odds are highly in our favor that we're all going to die someday. Okay? So we all are still having that death that only a couple people, and we'll get to this later studies, that only a couple people didn't have to deal with. Okay? So we are all going to die. So yes, the statement there, yes, Adam and Eve will physically die. But what it's really referring to is a spiritual death, a spiritual separation. And sin, death, and separation are all synonymous. Okay, they all basically mean we're separated from God. Okay? Sin entered the world through who? Sin entered the world through who? Okay? Satan brought um, temptation into the world, but sin, the original sin that has separated us from God came through who? Okay? Good. Good. It's not eve. It's Adam. Turn with me, keep your finger there, but turn with me to Romans chapter 5. In verse 12, and this is a good verse to sort of have highlighted, and this actually whole passage is great. Um, therefore, just as sinner sin entered the world through one man, not two, through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Okay? So sin entered the world through one man, and that man is Adam, as we'll find out later in this passage. Okay, and because of this sin sin affected all people and in other passages we would also find out that sin not only affected people but it affected all creation all six days of creation were affected by or infected might even be a better word by sin okay so sin entered the world through adam but we're not even really there yet so i want you to really pay attention to the command because the command is really important let's keep going the Lord God said, verse 18, it is not good. Well, oh, this stool is ridiculous and stupid. All right. <laughs> the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Okay, so picture this, Here, here is Adam, he is alone, he's got all the animals, so all the animals, everything was brought by who? God in front of Adam, and Adam had the task, his first task of doing what? Naming. Now, right off the bat, people are going, there is no way, there is no way that this is possible, because keep in mind, this is still happening on the the sixth day. This is not like after creation that this is happening. It's not after the six days of the creation. This has to be on the first day because Eve has not been created yet. And she was created on the first day. So we're on the first day, the sixth day, okay? And so we're looking at this. And so how on earth can Adam and Princeton, and I wish I had the actual, Princeton actually did a study once and said, is it possible for one human being to be able to name all the animals? And they came about and said, yes, yes. And it would actually take only about six hours, okay? And the reason why is because, again, he wasn't going dachshund, doberman, greyhound, collie. He was just going dog, okay, and that was it. And cat, and, and just going through and, and naming, not in English, but of course, he was naming each and every head of each kind. So really, it really wouldn't have taken too long. And why would God do this? Why would God want Adam to have a personal type of relationship in naming these creatures? He's supposed to take care of him. But Adam would discover as as donkey comes by and, and dog comes by and goat and all that, what would he start to discover? I'm still alone. <laughs> okay, and so, so here we go. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, as we said Tuesday, not hard. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then close up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves, and this is the first um, marriage statement. Um, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Okay, that's also important. They were both naked, and they felt no shame because that would also flip next chapter. Okay, so we are done with the creation phase. We've got all six days of creation. Um, Adam was created. He named all the animals, and now here is Eve. And so now we get to the fall of man. How long did it take for the fall of man? To happen from the end of the sixth day, or the end of the seventh day, how long did it take for everything to go sour? Anybody know? No one knows. No one knows. But here is a clue: it probably wasn't too long. Okay, most theologians <laughs> believe it could have even been within a week, a couple of days. Just keep in mind, you've got two perfect specimens of human beings there, and there's no indication that either one of them lay with each other, and no kids were born yet before the fall, so obviously this is happening fairly quick. So we know it's most likely not happening um, years later. So we, we, we think that the fall would have happened fairly quick. Somewhere during this time, Satan has fallen. okay? Satan has fallen, and now um, we get to chapter 3. And it starts out with one of the animals that Adam named. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Okay, So we start out with the serpent. We do not know what this serpent looks like. Because again, the curse changed how the serpent lived. Okay, So it's very possible that a certain, uh, the serpent was upright. It, we don't know. Um, we do not also know if the serpent actually talked with his own voice. Or if, or if Satan used him, and, and and it was Satan's words that came out. So no one knows that, and so it's sort of pointless to argue with people going, well, well, it's impossible for us to make the talk because it, it doesn't matter really. Okay, again, going all the way back to the very beginning. Once you say I believe in a supernatural, all other things sort of would fall in place. Okay? it's hard to argue with someone walking on water or the dead being raised again, or a talking donkey, or or a snake, when you've already said, I believe, in the beginning was God and God created. Does that make sense? So we are going with the assumption that in the beginning was God and God created. So everything else, um, this is easy stuff, and it's not only easy stuff for God, it would be easy stuff for any of the angels or fallen angels. By the way, demons is the word demon just basically means fallen angel. So demons are angels. They're, they're one and the same. Just They're bad. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, now this would be Satan um, talking through him. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, what we will find out here real quick is is Satan, through this serpent, and woman, who would later be named Eve, are having a highly intelligent conversation. One thing we need to understand is when Adam and Eve were created, most likely they were created with perfect capacities. So as we use maybe, I don't know what the modern, it, we use 15% of our brain, maybe 7% of our hearing, 5% of our smell, whatever. Imagine what it would be to have 100% access of all capacities of your body. Most likely, that's what um, both Adam and Eve had. Okay, So they probably had both, they were, they were probably pretty smart. Okay, So the idea that they were the original cavemen and Neanderthals, and ooh, ooh, it's, <laughs> it's not happening and it's not indicated anywhere in the Bible. Um, we'll get to what most likely were the cavemen um, in later weeks Uh, so did God really say you must not eat um, from any tree in the garden the woman said to the serpent we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die Okay. any pauses there Okay, remember what we just read. Go back, let's go back to chapter 2 and read verse 15, or 16 and 17 again just so we understand what God's command was. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not just that tree in the middle, but the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will surely die. Is that what Eve told the serpent? What did she do? Add to God's word. One of the first mistakes any Christian, anybody can do is add to God's word. It leads you down a path of destruction. Whether you add to God's word or whether you delete from God's word. God never, ever, ever said you can't touch that tree. You can build a tree house in it. It doesn't matter. Just don't eat the fruit. Okay? So she's already adding to what God Said, and Satan is doing a magnificent job of twisting this. Okay. Verse four. You will, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman. And then listen to what Satan says. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan spoke the truth. One thing you need to understand is Satan is capable of speaking truth if it suits his plan. Okay, So he is speaking truth there. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, hey, there he is, who was with her. Okay, You might want to underline that. Who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they felt no shame. Is that true? No. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All right. So right here, you can sort of put a little star there. Sin has entered the world. As soon as you see the words, and he ate, boom. Sin has entered the world, okay? With sin, death, separation, okay? And all that comes with it, which God will will lay out, okay? So not only was sin entered into the world and impacting man, it impacted the animals, it impacted uh, all of creation, okay? Creation moans because of this time, okay? So let's take a pause here real quick before we get into Satan's battle plan. Why on earth would an all-knowing, all-loving God put that tree there to begin with? Why? It's a phenomenal question. Okay? So I figured I'd steal someone's thunder and ask it myself. Alright? Why would an all-powerful, all-loving, and again, as we understand the definition of God, He is all-powerful, He's omnipotent. Okay? Okay, he is all-powerful. There is nothing He can't do. By the way, except impossible. God can't make 2 plus 2 equal 5. Okay? That's impossible. God cannot build or uh, make a rock that is so heavy He can't lift it. Those are all stupid questions. Okay? God is all-powerful. Okay, That means He is all-powerful. He is om- omnipotent. He is all-knowing, omniscient. Okay, He knows everything, past, present, and future. Even the hidden things. Even the unspoken things. And God is all present. He is everywhere. He is everywhere. So why would a God that knew the destruction that this would cause do this? Yes? Awesome. Free will. Free will. Okay? Okay? because god is all-knowing all loving all powerful he gave us free will he gave us a choice when we think of love when we think of relationship it has to have choice relationship absolutely disappears without choice love absolutely disappears without choice yes i could love this stool with all my heart It can't love me back, and it does not love me back. Okay, it's it it can't do anything. So God didn't build robots that were pre-programmed to love because that, by definition, is not love. In order to have a relationship, there has to be a choice. There has to be a choice. So in order for God to have a relationship with man, to have this loving relationship. Man has to have a choice to put his hand up to God. He's got to have that choice. Now, God, and we don't even know. By the way, we talked last week about all these myths. We don't it, it know if it was an apple. There's nowhere in the Bible, by the way, that says it was an apple. It could have been a mango. We don't know. Okay, so we don't know what kind of fruit it was, and there was nothing about the fruit that was toxic. This wasn't a Snow White thing where Eve ate and all of a sudden she then dwarfs are running. That, that, that's not. That wasn't happening. There's nothing about the fruit. God could have said, I'm going to leave this flower here. Don't touch it. Don't pick off a petal. it It didn't really matter what way. It had nothing to do with the actual tree, to be honest. It had everything to do with the act. The fact that man chose to act independently, and by the way, this is the definition of sin, to act independently of God's plan for their life the minute you decide to act independently you've sinned okay? and so it didn't matter what it was so in this context it was a tree and it was a simple statement do not eat from the fruit one tree, there was many trees many fruit in the garden there was a lot of things to do it's not like God put a big neon sign eat a Joe's type thing and, and really trying to tempt them because this is so much better than everything else he didn't there just had to be something. Okay? There had to be something that man had a choice to disobey. Okay? So, we get to get to that point. So, yeah, so there has to be free will. Has to be free will. Okay? Robots, there is no such thing as love. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay? All right. So, let's look at this. And let's look at Satan's battle plan because Satan right here began his trademark and and showed it to the world his trademark battle plan that he still uses today he went after eve on three different types of temptations and almost any temptation you can think of whether it's whether it's pornography or gluttony or whatever gossip um, theft whatever it is can all fall into one of three categories and it's and it's what is listed here. So let's go all the way to the other end of your Bible. Go to 1 John. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John's about 95% of the way through your Bible. Get the revelation. Go a little left. 1 John. Chapter 2, verse 15, verses 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17 are Satan's battle plan. And he'll use it over and over again. And as you're going through the Bible, as you're studying, you'll go, Oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. And the word world here is not how we would think, all oh, just mankind. It, it means a fallen world. Okay? Do not love the world, the sinful world, fallen world, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, okay, the lust of the flesh, that's number one, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, number two, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Satan's battle plan is very simple. It's going to go after you on three different categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And basically all three of those can be pinpointed into one, and that's pride. Pride is the basic root of all sin. Okay, Acting independently of God. So let's go all the way back and see how this little three-pronged battle plan worked for Eve here. Chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and pleasing to the eye, lust of the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, pride of life, she took some and ate it. Okay? three different types Eve fell on each one and you can and you can pencil these words in lust of the flesh is any temptation that's physical that's flesh oriented lust of the eyes is anything that is mental or emotional. And the pride of life is anything that is spiritual. Anything that is spiritual. A spiritual temptation. Lust of the eyes is a mental or emotional. And what? Physical. And the final one is spiritual. And this is critical to understand. okay? Because Satan is the one that tempts. And we understand that God does not tempt. Okay, correct? God does not tempt. Okay? In fact, God asks us to do the opposite. Satan tempts us with physical, with mental, emotional, spiritual. God says, no, give that to me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. God said, the way you defeat this battle plan is by giving all those to me. Give me your strength. Give me your physical. Give me your emotions, your heart, your mind, your mental. Give me your soul, your spiritual. Let me take care of it. Love me with all that. Give that to me. And that's what God was hoping he would do. Don't be tempted by this. I'm everything you need. Give it to me. Let's see another end. In- instance where Satan used this go to Luke Matthew Mark Luke it's in the New Testament and I believe it's four I believe it's four yep four okay Luke chapter four This is right after Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing in those days, and at the end of them he was very hungry. here we go. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Physical. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So Satan goes after his physical, his flesh. He's got to be weak. He's got to be hungry. Turn that stone into bread. Now now Satan's ramping it up with Jesus because Satan knows exactly who Jesus is. He's like, that's nothing. Turn that that stone into bread. But the ultimate trigger, the ultimate depth of that temptation is profound. Satan could care less if Jesus put on a show by doing a magic trick and turning. He didn't care about that. He knew he could turn stones into bread. He did a lot more incredible things. He was trying to get Jesus to what? Act independently. Who led Jesus into the desert, into the wilderness? The Spirit. Act independently of God's plan. Jesus. Sin. Jesus answered, and he's quoting out of Deuteronomy. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority, all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, Again, quotes out of Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay? That's to the eyes. He's going after his mental. his emotional. He said, Jesus, you can have all this. Why are you wandering in the wilderness? You look stupid. Why Go become a king. Take all these riches. All the kingdoms can be yours. And keep in mind, Jesus could have had all this. If Jesus would have changed and acted independently of God's plan, Jesus was in a phenomenal orator. He could have led and he could have become the next great emperor if he wanted to. That would have been easy. Of course, we know Jesus was more than just a man. He was God. And Satan was, again, not really worried about the kingdoms and the riches. To be honest, Satan really didn't care about the worship. He acted independently of God's plan. Jesus quoted God's word. until the appropriate time. So his final temptation was a spiritual one. This was a heavy one. He took him to Jerusalem, put him on the on the edge of um, on the temple, overlooking the ba- Valley of Kidron. And, and so he's sitting there, Jesus, throw yourself down. Now here's here's the cool part of this temptation, because it's not just, oh, will the angels catch me? It's, it's not some like original X Games type jump off a building. It's not platform diving or anything like that. It's basically Satan going... All right, you're God. Show the world. Keep in mind, that, that place in Jerusalem is the most visible place for all of Jerusalem. Almost everybody in Jerusalem can see that one spot. You're telling me if a man jumps off and angels usher him down, that not everybody is going to fall flat on their face and worship the Messiah? They're going to worship Jesus. Satan's looking at Jesus saying, Let's shortcut this thing. Let's shortcut this thing. The ultimate spiritual temptation. Jesus, you know what you got to go through. Let's shortcut this thing. Pilate will give you his palace. You will be worshipped. Forget worshipping me now. Let's get you worshipped. And you know what? Jesus could have ushered in peace and prosperity and all that kind of stuff. And when everybody lived this peaceful life and died, they would have been in hell forever. Satan was looking at Jesus going let's worry about the now and forget what ultimately you came to earth to do. And that was to die on the cross. The temptation there was spiritual. He was trying to get Jesus to bypass the cross. What does Jesus do? Now keep in mind, Jesus is who? Is he? He's God. He's God. Jesus could have done a lot more to Satan than just quote the Bible. But Jesus is modeling for us what you do when you're tempted. You go to God's Word. And in order to go to God's Word, you got to know God's Word. You've got to have that in your heart. Jesus immediately, after all three, quoted Deuteronomy. Boom, boom, boom. And Satan fled. So Jesus was tempted three times in the desert. The exact same battle plan that we're warned to avoid the same plan that brought sin in the world, Jesus didn't fall. So there's an example of how to get rid of this battle plan. Satan twisted God's word. And he will twist God's word. And by the way, did you catch that piece? Satan quoted from God's word. Not only does Satan every once in a while tell the truth, he knows God's word better than you do. He knows it backwards and forwards. Hebrew, Greek, Russian, doesn't matter. He knows it in every language. He knows how to use it, and he will twist it, take it out of context to trick you. To get you to do what? Not to justify eating a Twinkie or not to do, not, not these simple things. He's going after the deeper part, acting independently of God's plan for your life. That's what he wants. Satan doesn't win by you joining the occult by chopping heads off of cats and and worshiping at some kind of pentagram. He doesn't win that way. If you do it, cool. That's not how Satan wins. Satan wins by getting you away from God, whether you go into the occult, whether you join a cult, whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, whatever, it doesn't matter. Satan wins by pulling you away from God's plan in your life. And that's the temptation. And whatever your weak spot is, that's where he's going to go at it. Everybody in here is weak on one of those three of those three maybe all three of those three we're all weak but some of you there's there's a place in your life where satan set up shop you would have a hard time okay this is when you've got to fall back into god's word you've got to love god with all your heart mind soul and strength. okay so satan twists god's word eve added to god's word you could also put delete if you want jesus quoted from god's word Jesus quoted God's word. All right, let's get all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Does that make sense? All right, good. Cool. All right, so when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom... And by the way, wisdom, the biblical definition of wisdom is seeing things the way God sees them. Seeing things with God's eyes. When Solomon asked for wisdom, he was enabled to see things the way God sees them. That is a huge thing. Okay? Solomon didn't just ask for a diploma or a degree or a, or a PhD or anything. He asked to see things the way God sees them. God, help me judge the way you would judge. God, help me to have mercy the way you would have mercy that's what made him wise it's not that he could ace the sats which he probably could have but that's not that's not the issue he was able to see things the way god sees them and solomon was was called the, the wisest man ever to walk the earth and so that brings the question well what about adam and eve they had 100 percent capacity well that's true but solomon just had more to know okay so adam and eve were still at the at the very beginning stages here all right so when the woman saw that the fruit we'll we read this four times um For fruit um was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it now we don't know if he was with her for the entire conversation i have a feeling he was um guys just put yourself in that position you're probably pretty close around that area and so i'm sure he was within range Okay, I'm sure he wasn't like breaking in a stallion somewhere off. The, know. But we do know he was there by the time she had the fruit. So whether she had the conversation with the serpent by herself and then she grabbed the fruit, took it to Adam, and then they ate, we don't know. I would assume that he was within range and probably heard most of the conversation, but we can't, again, be dogmatic about that because you'd wonder why Adam wouldn't break in. Because remember... Verses 15 or 16 and 17 of chapter 2, who was not created yet when God issued that command? Eve. She was not created yet. Now we're getting an idea of why Adam is sort of blamed for this. Okay? He was the one that was issued the command, not woman. Okay? So somewhere along the line, he misinterpreted. Or, and again, I'm speaking outside of scripture here because it doesn't say, but I can totally see this scenario happening as Adam is taking Eve and going, hey, this is a dog, this is a cat, this is a platypus, or whatever, and he's going through all these things and showing her all the coolness of, of creation. At some point, I'm sure he walked by this tree and went, yeah, okay, let me tell you about this, okay? Okay. You cannot, and, and here's what we parents do to our kids, and I have a feeling Adam did this, I'm, I'm guessing here, you just don't even touch it, just don't touch it, don't even go near it, okay, and I, I can sort of see where Eve might have went, and we're not supposed to touch it either, and it's very possible that's Adam's fault, okay, now again, we're speaking outside of Scripture, because Scripture doesn't say that, but I can see how Eve could have got a little confused there, maybe. But also, it is possible that God reissued the command to her too. So we don't—we just don't know, okay? But I, I, I do sort of see Adam sort of going overboard and adding to the word, because it is quite apparent that he is held responsible for this even before the fall, even before the command that he is the head. Okay, he is still held responsible for this. So something there. Um, Fell on Adam's shoulder, so he, he knew the command, and he did not stop it. Not only did he not stop it, he joined in. Now, there's a whole bunch of scenarios people ask. Well, what if, what if Eve would have eaten and Adam would have went no, and never ate, and <laughs> we don't know, we don't know. Well, what if they never ate? Would it again? At some point, chances are someone would have fell and separation w- would have happened. But, but. Within pretty quick work here, um, Adam and Eve took care of all those scenarios for us. Then, verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, and they sewed fig leaf together and made coverings for themselves. Then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, some um wording there some translations might say in the wind." so it's possible god wasn't actually walking he was wind we, we, we again we don't know that um in the cool of the day and then hid from the lord god among the trees of the garden but the lord god by the way you can't hide from god all present um all knowing all powerful all um but the lord god called to the man where are you he knew he answered i heard you in the garden and was afraid because i was naked so i hid and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree that i commanded you not to eat from okay and again god he know okay <laughs> children in here most often your parents know okay. the man said and here we go. Here we go. Here's one of the first outpourings of a sinful nature. The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said, Now, by the way, who is he blaming? Eve. Who else is he blaming? God. The woman, it's her fault and your fault for putting her here. I was crying with the animals. So he's passing the buck. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this have you done? The woman said, Here we go. The serpent deceived me and I ate. At least you didn't say the serpent you put here. <laughs> okay? So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. So this is the first indication that maybe the serpent didn't slither back in the day. And you will eat dust all the days of your life. Everything a snake eats is from the ground, pretty much. That's what that's referring to. And I will put enmity between you and... And the woman, enmity means hostility. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head. Okay, here we go. Big, big, big verse. Okay, it's the first mention of the gospel. This is where the gospel first enters scripture. What does gospel mean? Good news. Okay, so as we are on our timeline, which is our (laughs) outside on Sunday mornings, Here's where the thread starts. Here's that red thread that's going to follow all the way to the cross. And the Bible's going to start following this gospel thread. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is a reference um, to Jesus, and, and I love one of my favorite parts of the movie Passion of the Christ, obviously it had some, some maybe extra-biblical things, but it was a phenomenal movie it's right off the bat, you see that snake slithering and Jesus crushes it in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that, the reason why that was added to the movie was that's a reference all the way back to the fall and all the way back to this verse to the woman So the, okay, so now we already know The serpent has been cursed. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. There you go. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Okay? So there's the curse to the woman and women. Okay? Now, men, most of us stop there, but we'll keep reading. Um, To Adam, he said, Because you listen to your wife and ate it by the way you listen to your wife so there's an indication that they it was your first marriage um, and ate from the tree which i commanded you you must not eat from it cursed is the ground because of you okay the ground was not cursed so now adam has a curse and now creation earth has a curse okay cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field now these thorns and thistles and plants of the field had not yet been created yet these are new creations that are going to come out after the fall of man okay and if you're at the mind we talked about that sort of contradiction this is where it's coming up by the sweat of your brow you will eat um, for your food and you will return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you will return. Okay, so now we have a physical death. What was that? Oh, okay, I was going to say, when I hear that, I won't move. Um, Adam named his wife Eve, okay, so here, she's no longer a woman, she has a name. He named all the animals in four hours, but it took him all the way to here. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. Okay, that's what Eve means. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Okay, stop there. What does that indicate? Death. We have our first sacrificial atonement for the sin. Okay, so this is the first time an animal died for sin. Okay, and we'll get to the whole substitutionary atonement, what that means and why animals were... Or sacrificed for sin. Okay, so this is the first indication of that. So obviously their their fig leaf things didn't work out. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us. Okay, he is not talking to the angels. This is another reference to the Trinity. Remember God Elohim is plural. So He's like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So he's he's lost that peace. His body is no longer eternal. So the Lord God, by the way, his spirit is. Everybody in this room, everybody that's ever been created are eternal beings. Okay, You will live forever. Okay, Once you die physically, you'll be separated from your body. Then the question comes, Are you you still in a separated state from God? If you are still in a separated state from God, you will remain for all eternity in that separated state, which we would know as hell. If you have closed that gap through Jesus Christ, then after you die physically, you will be permanently with God for all eternity. and That's what we call heaven. All right, so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground for which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, and and so in cherubim, it's not, um, you know, this is a plural, so it's more than one angel, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And that's the end of three, okay? All right, so a lot there to digest, um, they have been expelled from the Garden of Eden. Where is the Garden of Eden today? We don't know, okay? We don't know. Um, as we talked about, was it last time that we talked about that, or was it the mine, okay? So we don't know because after the flood, the whole topography of the earth changed anyway, so we, the original place or location pinpoint on the globe where the Garden of Eden was, could be the North Pole, could be under the ocean, could, who knows where it is? Okay, no, no one knows, okay? All right, so any questions on that? Okay, some have asked, well, where is there any indication of Satan's fall? That's in Ezekiel 28, 13 through 15. It starts out by talking about an earthly king, and then you'll see God flip and start talking directly at Satan. Okay, you'll notice in, in chapter 225, they were naked and had no shame. Now they have shame, so sin is impacting that. Any other, any other questions? Mm-hmm. Which one? Ezekiel 28 um, talks about this whole idea, and once we start getting into verse 13, it start, he starts flipping it from the king of Tyre and starts going right at um, Satan. And he talks about why he fell. It doesn't say when he fell, but it talks about um, why he fell, and obviously um, he want, it was pride. He wanted to exalt himself above God. All right, let me see what time it is real quick. Oh, we have time. All right, let's keep moving. All right, so Cain and Abel. Okay, so this is extra. This is bonus material because this is not on on your calendar, but um, we'll keep going. Um, Adam um, made love with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Adam and Eve, we don't know how many kids they had. The Bible lists three by name. Um, we see Cain right there in verse 1. We see Abel in verse 2. In verse 25, later on down, you'll see Seth. And then in chapter 5, verse 4, you'll see, and there were others. <laughs> okay. So keep in mind, Adam and Eve lived over 900 years. Okay. There's a good chance they had quite a bit of kids. Okay, Jewish tradition—how they would know this, I don't know. Maybe it was actually passed on. It's not, it's extra biblical, but Jewish tradition says that they had 56 kids. Okay, but it, it it seems plausible for sure. Okay, so they had they had a lot of kids. Okay, and so when we look at the early stages before the flood, people were living a long time. When we get to the flood, we'll talk about the why. Um, but they were living a long time. Um, they were still fresh off of. Um, the whole idea of sin hitting hit the world, and so sin has not really impacted creation to the degree that it has by now. So, so things that shortened life weren't quite as apparent back then, um, but the big thing was, was the flood and, and, and the sun and radiation and all that. So um, we know they had at least three or at least four, because there were other, um, but um, most likely they had well into their 50s. All right. Now Abel kept flocks, okay, and Cain worked the soil. Okay. Here's another thing we need to understand. I don't think I mentioned this about Adam and Eve. They were created with the age of appearance, which means when Adam and Eve were created, they weren't created in a crib. Okay. It wasn't like a baboon sort of taking care of okay? all the animals. All the creation was created with the age of it. Okay? It wasn't a little seedling that turned into a tree. Everything was created as a full-grown, mature. So what age that was, we don't know. And actually, technically, Adam was under one years old when he sinned, but he was fully grown, if that makes sense. So by time, yeah, he was young. So when when it says Adam lived in going up to, I think it was nine hundred and ten or nine hundred and six nine hundred it was it was a lot, okay? Nine hundred and fifty something I think. I need to look in chapter five to verify what it but as Adam lived that long, you can He actually started at sort of like age 30. So it's sort of one of those weird things to see, and it's really fun to start charting this stuff down. But so they were fully grown. When Cain and Abel's sin happened, most likely they were fully grown adults too, okay? Now, they would have grown from baby on up. Adam and Eve were the only ones to be created with the the age of appearance, okay? A little funny question, did Adam and Eve have um, belly buttons there was absolutely no need. There was a very good chance that maybe they didn't, which is weird, by the way. <laughs> but maybe they didn't, so who knows. But after that, everything was as, as we would know it, okay? So Adam and Eve had, had kids. By this time, it wasn't just Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. By this time, there was probably other kids already um, and, and stuff like that, so Abel kept flocks, And Cain worked the soil. So we've got a shepherd and a farmer here. The course of time or through the course of time, Cain brought some some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not or will you not be accepted? But if you do what is not right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So he's looking at Cain saying, Man, if you just do what is right, You'll be okay. But the minute you start walking on your own, sin's crouching at the door. It's ready to get you. Okay, And so so Cain brought uh, basically an offering that was not pleasing to God. So apparently he disobeyed what, what God was asking them to do. Abel, on the other hand, brought exactly what God was asking the firstborn. And We'll get to that um, in, in future studies. Now Cain said, verse 8, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out to the field. Okay, so he's plotting. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So here's the first murder recorded in human history. The Lord God said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I do not know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? where that term comes from. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. Okay, so his livelihood is gone. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Another indication that there are other people on the earth right now. And obviously we'll get to this in a second, They're, they're relatives. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Okay, There's your second indication that not only are there people on the earth, there are enough people that there are actually people that would not recognize Cain without a mark. Okay, So there are a lot of people already on the earth. Okay, So this is, number one, an indication that Cain and Abel probably weren't young teenagers when this happened, okay? So as we go, no okay, no one's dying that we know of. Um, and just, so there's a lot of people. And you can imagine with people living this long, it won't take long to get a huge population, okay? And keep in mind, there has to be a lot of people for people not to know who Cain is because he is, he's high up on, on the chart, okay? He's high up. Everybody should know who these people are. Apparently, there were people that didn't. So, there's another indication. Where are we at? we 16. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Um, Cain, and this is a different Enoch, by the way, Cain was then building a city, and he named it out. And so it just basically goes in and, and starts giving you a, a small... Um, descendant view of Cain and then that sort of drops off the map so let's look at the whole idea of this this um, first murder imagine, imagine what um, I mean, you got to imagine it we, we say this all the time when you, when you study the Bible you got to put yourself into the culture you got to put yourself into the sandals of the people that it's talking about okay Cain and Abel Adam and Eve there's a lot of things they knew but there's a lot of things that we know that they didn't know okay? And so, what's murder? What do you mean? It's very possible as Cain was doing this, he was trying to hurt Abel, he was trying to inflict pain, but there's a good chance that he had no clue what it meant for someone to disappear and never to come back. We're raised with that. We know what murder is. We know what death is. There's a good chance he doesn't even know what that means or what that is. And so could you imagine Keynes like... So a lot of times as we read through this, I want to challenge you, especially as we go through Journey 180, always stop and go, All right, what would I be thinking in this situation? What would I be thinking talking to this snake? What would I be thinking with this command? What would I be thinking... And really try to think, what, what would they possibly know at this time? Now, I'm not giving an excuse for Cain. He sinned. He sinned. Badly. But we always got to come out of our context. We not only got to come out of our modern-day timeline context, but we got to come out of our American context. We got to come out of a whole bunch of different things that we have been infused with in order to really understand um, um, Scripture, okay? We'll close with this. On the timeline, we said we're going to be following down the timeline. So we've got Noah is at 2,500. Abraham's at 2,000. Adam and Eve, if you go strictly by the timeline that's listed in chapters 5 through 11, somewhere around 6,000. Or somewhere around 4,000 B.C., 6,000 years from now. Okay? So that, that, that's a young earth, a young... So, again, we can have debates on that, but if you're going strictly literal on the timeline, not allowing for major gaps, Adam and Eve most likely were around somewhere around 4,000. Of course, with their lifespan, they were also around, around 3,000, too. Okay, So we're going to stop there. Any questions... And then again, um, the mine uh, will be going this Tuesday, we'll be back here um, this next Sunday. I will be in India, so make sure you pray for our team. Yes? If you, if you look quickly at the timeline, uh, looking at the age that these men were, and they had their, their, their uh, mm-hmm. own son, there's about a 200-year gap, which is as death or age were. Yeah. Yeah, and that and That's a fun study. Again, if if you if you can go and, and actually do that chart, you'll realize when Adam died, there, it wasn't that much longer that Noah was born. And so a lot of people go, well, Adam's talked a lot about, and then this, why aren't why aren't this person and this person this person this person talked about? Because when they were alive, the big dog was still alive. Okay, and so they they weren't that important. Okay. Once the big dog got cleared out, then we start talking about some of these others. And we'll find out that Methuselah died right before the flood happened, right before the flood. In fact, there's a very good chance that God waited for the flood to unleash for Methuselah to pass on. Okay. By the way, there's a movie coming out about Noah. Um, it's got Russell Crowe. So again, um, Moses and Noah in Hollywood history look amazing. Um, we will, we're actually going to try to go see it um, I saw some of the script and some of the reviews eh, there's a little chance it could get a little extra biblical So, so we'll, we'll, there's a chance Hollywood might add something to the story um, but I don't think it's going to be massive like that one A&E show that pirates were attacking Noah and, and his cousin Lot or whatever that, that doesn't work out um, so um, we'll, we'll see that but it might be a fun thing to go out and see so any questions? yes Noah I believe yeah, I think it's just straight up Noah, okay? And I think part of the what's catching people off guard, I think it's, it's a little bit earth-worship-y. Um, so, so we'll see. So right, let's go ahead and close in prayer, and then we'll head on out. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for your, your word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, what we see in um, chapter three, and although it's so devastating to see the result of sin, um, we thank you specifically for verse 15, Um, the promised Messiah that that will come and uh, pay our debt, um, be our Redeemer, our Savior, our Messiah. And Heavenly Father, I pray um, that as we continue this study, we never lose focus on what the meaning of Scripture is, and that's the revealing of your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, be with us over the next couple of weeks. Be with the India team as um, we head out. Give us opportunity um, and divine appointments um, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And Heavenly Father, for those who are going through this study, I pray that you, each and every night as they open your word, that you give them wisdom to see things exactly how you see them and and allow the word to impact their hearts in ways they've never understood. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you soon.